Are you one of Are you one of those people who at parties like you don't necessarily go talk to everybody? You find one person and get into a really deep conversation <laughs> and sit in the corner all night, and then you're like, oh, everybody went home except us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. I'd, or, or I'll do realize that not yeah. the life of the party. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Artipus, art you can hear. Artipus interviews American video artist and VJ Aaron Kulik in Berlin. Give me a rectangle, give me a giant-ass rectangle, and I'll blow your mind. I don't... One of the things Berlin is best known for is its music scene. You can find every kind of music here, from electronica to ambient to trance to dance to hip-hop to pop, grunge, rock, rockabilly, punk, and polka. The other thing it's known for is its clubs, and you can find every kind of those here, too. From sex clubs to chess clubs, roller derby to raves. And polka. I've been in Berlin for a little over a year now, and I have yet to set foot in a single club. But we all know I don't play chess, so... I love that at 3 in the morning on a Tuesday, I can go out and get wild if I want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that this city uh, is so welcoming. Back in the 1980s, when New York City's nightclubs were the bar nightclubs were measured by, and the last time I actually went to clubs, even the coolest nightclubs, like my favorites, Area, Save the Robots, and even later, The Limelight, mixed art and music and club culture in a pretty straightforward way. The DJs just played vinyl but weren't scratching it up yet. Art installations were about as edgy as a Jeff Koons balloon dog, although at the time that was pretty edgy. And if there was video, it was most often things like Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, cult classic Faces of Death, or anything from Nick Zed, John Waters, and Ed Wood. This is my live visual setup, yeah? And I can kind of discuss a little bit. So, um, this is the software that I use, and it's very much similar to mixing records, um, in that I have all these different video clips, so different stuff that I've made, this is old stuff, this is videos and whatnot that I've shot, but then I also have other things, like old like sci-fi films, stuff like that, you know, and I'll sample and mix them live, so for example, here, and then like this. And then came scratching, sampling, hip-hop, rap, house, techno, electronica, and ambient. The DJs evolved into magicians able to bring an entire dance floor up or down, sway them left or right, by morphing lyrics and beats and tracks into sound sculptures that can rule a room. And behind them, the videos started to do the same, and a new genre of art was born, the VJ. How do you know people are reacting positively to the images they see? Um, well, they're <laughs> typically I'm set up in what's called the front of house area, which is where the sound guys usually are. And in a perfect world, it's the center of the stage, a uh, hundred or so meters, enough distance from the stage that you can see all the visuals. It's, it's, it's essentially where the sound needs to be set up. I'm usually set up there. Uh, so most of the time, sometimes people think that I'm doing sound. Right. Yeah, more often than not, when I'm at like a party where you actually have an ability to see what's on my screen, you're like, uh-huh. hey, turn it up. I'm like, oh, you individuals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, man. Oh, keep partying. Uh, but there are other times when people get what I'm doing, and you can see them, and they'll be like, sick. And then like I've had people like bring me drinks, <laughs> which, That's is, nice. which is nice. You know, but more often than not, um, during a show, uh, I mean, I'm a, I can give you some bullshit about how the vibe of the party, and I can tell, and uh, you don't really know. Or really, the barometer is myself. 
I know when I'm on, and I know when I'm like, okay, this is not how I want it to be, and that's a really big thing for me is trying, I'm a merciless perfectionist, and so having an art form where so much is out of your control is very challenging for me. <laughs> Mixing film, video, CGI, special effects, and organic elements, VJs are the bridge between the music, the DJ, and the dance floor crowd, manipulating video along with the DJ's beats, adding an extra dimension for the crowd, and added inspiration for the DJ. Aaron Kulik is a Berlin-based video artist, working as a VJ supporting Michigan-born DJ Seth Troxler. The two are a natural fit. Seth's work is based in techno and house, with a good dose of sounds from the African and Latino diaspora. Even when they're dark, his tracks are bright and high relief and a little surreal, sort of the way everyday objects uh, look in a solar a eclipse. Um, that it's hard to really describe. Uh, when I met him, most people who know Seth will know he has this aura about him. He's very, very comfortable in his own skin. I think when you see somebody possessing a quality that you would like to have, they stand out. Aaron is trained as a filmmaker, his work influenced by the giants of classical art evolution, Caravaggio and Dali, navigating between two richly colored stars as he charts new visuals that exist somewhere between the realm of painting and sci-fi. As an artist, and as a person, he's also bright, open, a little edgy, or, as he calls it, a weirdo. Making the videos of paint and oils, my hands are very much involved in the process of that, and so I can pick the colors and blend them and make them, and, and oftentimes, as I'm making something like in a Petri dish, I'm like, oh, I don't really like this, and I start over, but then sometimes I'm like, oh, this kind of works, and then I'll, I'll use like um, alcohol or like hydrogen peroxide, and, and that will have a chemical reaction with the other stuff in there, and you get a happy surprise. You don't, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah. I was just thinking about happy surprises when you combine like hydrogen with other elements. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, ask Oppenheimer about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oops. Depends on who's doing the mixing, I guess. Yeah. How did you meet Seth? How did you start working with him? Yeah, yeah so this is pretty cool. Um, I went to college uh, in Detroit and wanted nothing to do with the city. I wanted to move to LA and then I happened to go to the Detroit Electronic Music Festival in 2006. Some friends of mine from college brought me along and my idea of electronic music at that point was, you know, the more euro trancey poppy stuff. So I, did, I had no idea. And um, I saw Richie Houghton there for the first time and was introduced to this whole different style of music that just blew me away. That kind of stopped me on my tracks, stopped my plans. And I just started going out to parties in Detroit and just kind of introducing myself to people. I'd hang out, we'd dance, um, and just, yeah, start randomly saying hi to people. And the way that I met Seth was, uh, it's kind of a funny little story, but uh, there was a party that was being thrown in Detroit, and uh, everyone had these American flag bandanas on, like as a joke, like America. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw him uh, and went up to him and was like, hey, started talking to him, and he had this American flag bandana on, and I, I complimented him on it which is a silly compliment, like, oh, I like your, your bandana. And, uh, and he looked at me and he smiled. He didn't know who I was. And he took it off his neck and he put it around my neck. And then we started talking and we became friends. And I'm realizing now that's a really long answer to your question. And it's so actually it's very kind of, romantic. It is kind of romantic. Uh, and that was how we started becoming friends. And it was this all this tight-knit community of people in Detroit. So I'd hang out at his house and we'd talk about ideas. We'd talk about the universe. And it was only seven months later that he moved to Europe. 
But throughout the years of him building his career, we'd stay in touch. Uh, as I got better at what I was doing or whatnot, I would always send him my videos. And so we always kind of kept this connection because a lot of times what happens is, you know, we meet and move to Europe and that's it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I, I always sense a connection. And, uh, and we stayed in touch throughout the years. And, and then I'm, I'll never forget, I think it was like 2010, 2011, he was visiting. And I had no idea. And he just, I think, kind of threw it out there. Yeah, we'd really like to have you come out and do visuals sometime. I'm like, what? Like, I was just kind of sending him my work. Like, hey, check it out. You, know? you were already doing visuals for other people. No, 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 no. I was, I was just trying to hustle and pay my bills and as, you know, like not finding jobs in Detroit at all. Like, I worked everything that wasn't what I went to school for okay. to make a living. So it was very a, a challenging time. I was, you know, definitely not making money as a video artist uh, uh, at all. Oftentimes, the work that I would be applying for was very... Um, much people didn't get the work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. Be like, hey, we need you to edit some corporate video. Then I'd show them some weird ass techno video, and they'd be <laughs> like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, we, yeah, we we just we stayed in touch over the years, and uh, and and then it came to a point where uh, he was like, hey, I want I want to hire you, and at that point, I was just sending him work via the internet. Uh, but then it, I kind of came to a point where like, hey, I want to. You know, I want to actually go to Europe and I want to do this live. I don't want to just send you work and be, you know, back in the States, mm -hmm. you know, and I just kind of took the leap, you know, quit my job, sold my car and moved here. And, you know, he's just kind of started giving me work and, and, and now it's been three years. Yeah. So, Great. yeah. Good friend to have. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. When I first started doing this job, right, it wasn't a job, it was a passion. I used to set up my equipment, and back then, we're talking 2000, 2008, 2009, I did not have a laptop. I had an iMac that I carried around in a gigantic metal flight case, <laughs> and I would bring that and so much other equipment to these sketchy-ass places in Detroit, and I would set up and hang everything and do it all and for seven, eight hours and maybe get paid 50 bucks. Or sometimes mm -hmm. afterwards, the promoter's like, hey, we didn't do so well, sorry, you know? But I kept doing it over and over again, not because I thought that I was going to make a living on it one day, I did it because I loved it. Um, I think it's really important sometimes to pursue that passion. If you know inside that like you're on this planet to do this, don't listen to people and you just do it. You know, I almost quit, actually, before Seth hired me. It was probably about a year before he hired me that I was like, maybe I just need to just go get a job, you know, doing whatever. And, uh, and I almost gave up, but something inside was just like, yo, I don't know what I'm on this planet for, but I know that I'm really good at this and I'm going to put my energy into this. And that's actually coincidentally when things kind of started to turn around a bit. Say what <laughs> you will about, you know, uh, positive energy or thinking or I, I don't know, but like, you know, after many years of it not working and then it just kind of started working. So I think a lot of it is about intention and trying to figure out, okay, what it is that I'm trying to do. Going back to just what it's like at a show. So you're there live and you're, so you've already got your, your images that your library that you can choose from. Yeah. Um, and then from there you manipulate them on the screen with yes. the MIDI and everything yeah. else. So you're manipulating live, I am. but the basic 
kind of like the vinyl of the DJ, exactly. the vinyl that the DJ is using, or the whatever the source of music is set. Exactly. And then you're just manipulating it to fit the beat, the rhythm. It really is almost the same. Have you ever been stuck? Have you ever been like, uh oh? <laughs> you know what? It doesn't happen very we're often. Just, we're just gonna stick with this one for a while longer. <laughs> yes, yes. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, I have a particular memory of uh, last year. Seth was, I was on. It was all good, and then he just played this like I don't even know what it was. This like kind of poppy, but kind of like it was. It was completely left <laughs> field, and I was just was like, it just. It was more that it surprised me than anything. It's not uh-huh. like I couldn't figure out a visual for it, but it just. It was so it surprising well. that I was just like, uh, I ended up playing some footage of some time lapse clouds, <laughs> <laughs> which actually people liked. But I was just like, I don't know what to play for this. <laughs> The idea is that everybody can relate, you right? Know? Okay. But essentially, as you were saying, as you were asking, so like, I'm really um, so you do here, um, and right, I'm, so really, I'm really, I'm really big into this effect. So I'm really, I do a lot. What is this effect called? This is it's like um, like a jumping screen. Exactly. Yeah. Effect, so this, yeah. Works, this is really effective, and the music is like really intense. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes I'll do like okay, oh, Ronald Reagan. I did the wrong thing. So like, I'm trying to like kind of. You know, um, I'm just starting to make some stuff where this is just the raw footage of him, but like I'm starting to make this this whole visual where I'm kind of blending all these different like authoritarian shitty leaders, you know, kind of mix them together. So what I can do with here is let's see, and then or actually, where are you getting your visuals from? So yes. some videos that you've shot, yeah, I would say, and some of it is like old sci-fi movies exactly. and so for whatever. Example, this is something that I shot. Um, and so I do a lot of stuff with this. So, so I recently, about, about a year ago, not a year ago, uh, March, I used to do all my work here, but I just now have a, uh, an office space at Rosenthal Plaza, and that's kind of forcing myself to get out of the house and, and work there. And so what I've turned this area into is uh, video experimentation. So, for example, I've been doing a lot of stuff with, uh, I did this uh, time-lapse of a pill of dissolving in water. It's just like a Tylenol pill. <clears throat> and it's a different, like, re- I'm really into doing real-world video was experiments. It, was that a cough to cover up the fact that it's not a Tylenol pill? Or were you just No, no, no I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to go for that. I wasn't trying to go for it. Actually, I have... It's a Tylenol pill. It is a Tylenol pill, but actually... Yes, I see. But actually, and then I can kind of... Right. Um, and then just give me a big rectangle. But, See, you're uh, more traditionalist in that but sense. But in, in, in a DJ setting, give me a cool design for an art gallery or a installation. Oh my God, I'd run wild. Well, where does you know? that line? Where is that line for you between business and art? Between it being a job and art? You know, what I mean, because that's a, that's like a demarcation. Because there is business in art as well, and and it does make sense to make that line. So where is that line for you? I've I've been doing this this realm for so long that, um, you know, I'm really eager to, to push my wings into different things, you know? And so if you're doing a gallery setting, I mean, I've actually never have done like a traditional video installation, really. I mean, um, let's say either a gallery or museum comes to you and says, Aaron, we love the work. We want to give you a solo show. Or let's say, let's just make it super ideal, solo show. What does that space look like for you? Um, and where do you think you would take it? Would you, would you take 
this experience from these live shows into the gallery, or would you go in a completely different direction? That's a good question. But first, talk about the space. Like, what would that look like? Would it be a traditional white box? Probably not, no. Or would it be like, any... have you been to Cow Gallery? No, I haven't actually, here in Berlin? It's, yeah, here in Berlin, it's, okay. it's a very that's, unusual, that's right but there's also like, there's Koenig Gallery, there's all these weird, yeah. you know, spaces yeah. here in Berlin especially. You know, you get a month of the gallery to yourself. Yeah. And they don't give you a theme. They just say, here's the space, fill it. You know, you get a month, your stuff is going to be here for a month. Here's some money. Yeah. That's what, so what does the space look like? And then what, what, where would you take the work? And would you take us in a different direction from these live performances? Or yeah. so, but that's a really good question. In right. the sense of, you know, like when I go see a gallery, it's, it's, I don't, you know, I go to opening nights, but... And often, especially in Berlin, the artists will be there, if, especially if it's a smaller gallery. But um, in general, if, I, if I'm going to go visit a show, especially for Artipus, mm -hmm. um, I never want to see it on an opening night because the opening nights are really about socializing and drinking wine that should be free, but isn't. It's not free at those No, days? it's free in Paris, it's free in New York, it's free in every other city in the world except Berlin where they charge you. You know, it's the whole poor but sexy BS. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Really? Oh, Such a ripoff. But anyway, I go and I drink the wine anyway, and I pay for it like every other sucker. So, that aside, <laughs> when I really want to look at art, especially because I'm, a, I'm looking at something for Artifice, then I go during normal gallery times or normal museum times. So, the space is clear of like it. a zillion people, mm -hmm. and, and also because I often don't want to talk to the artist because I really want the experience of the art raw. You know, okay. if I'm just some person walking in off the street who doesn't even have an art background, but I see, oh, that looks interesting, I want to go take a closer look. What is, how does that hit me? So let's say that that's how your stuff would be displayed. Of course, you'd have your opening night, have your DJ, you'd have all your friends, blah, blah, blah. You know, you'd have some great party. Hopefully the wine would be free for <laughs> oh, once. It'll definitely be free. And, I'm, I'm, um, you say that, I'm going to make a point of that. Okay, make a point of that. <laughs> but the, and then after that, you know, so what does that, what does the space look like and what does the show look like for you? Um, very dark. Which, the gallery or the art? Uh, definitely what I meant was, <clears throat> was the actual gallery space. If I had a complete blank canvas, it's exciting. I think a couple things. One would be very high quality projections, projections and large. I really would like to explore working with a sound designer. I don't get a chance very much to make uh, imagery and visuals that go precisely to the music, right? Mm -hmm. And when they go precisely to the music, it's extra amazing. Like, I'm always kind of playing catch-up, right? So mm -hmm. when Seth is playing, I have things that I can do with my software that make it look like it's going to the music, but it's never fully precise or it might be precise for a short amount of time. So I'm really into, you know, where we have, okay, let's say it's open gallery space, I'm working with a sound designer, and we have a 30-minute or hour-long show that mm -hmm. we would design and make, uh, you know, and then that would obviously loop, people would come in when it's not the opening, you know, and people, and so, and so if it's not the opening, it's not some sort of social affair, I want people to be comfortable, so I, I guess I would probably fill it with beanbags. <laughs> okay. uh, as far as architecturally, definitely more homey vibes than like, I think so many galleries are stark and they're white and there's a reason they're like that because the focus is supposed to be the art, and I get that. But I feel like I really like 
um, I'd like to do a show where the actual space itself is maybe designed by an artist. So we almost kind of like a trifecta. So like the space would be designed by like like a like I would have maybe my hand in it, but we'd have like an art director or somebody who'd design an interesting space. You know, so it wouldn't just be white walls on a screen. I think it also would very much like a place in different shapes. I'm so used to doing the rectangle, and I think it's really important as an artist to um, branch out and try and challenge yourself. So I'm challenging myself with content, but I have not been challenging myself per se with the actual shapes. In a way, the industry has been forcing me. Where do you see things evolving for you? You know, you, I know you, you'd love to get into a, diff a space, right? Absolutely. And maybe have something sort of, you know, stable on a, on a wall or a, a form. Absolutely. For longer than a set. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and have people to re really interact and immerse themselves in the experience of what you're doing. Where would you like to see your career going in the long term? Right now, I'm very open. I think my biggest passions are uh, actually hip-hop right now. I'm extremely passionate about hip-hop. I feel about hip-hop right now the way that I felt about dance music 10 years ago. Uh, so I'm really eager to still work in music. Uh, partly because I know it, but also I'm, it's funny that I'm actually a video artist because in a way I'm almost more passionate about music. But I've never felt, uh, having played an instrument years ago, I've never really felt that my voice is in making music. But um, uh, I'm so connected to so many different varieties of music from jazz, classical, funk, soul, electronic music, hip hop. I, I just, I, I can't even imagine my life without music. So that is probably going to be a big part of my career going forward. Um, I'm, my original passion was actually making films, uh, more traditional narrative filmmaking type stuff. Uh, but if anybody who knows, knows that trying to make narrative films uh, is extremely laborious. Uh, and if you want to do it right, typically requires a bit of money. And uh, my experience in college was trying to make a 30-minute film with 15 actors uh, and no budget was absurdly ambitious and it was an interesting experience, a lot of it very negative, that pushed me into this niche that I'm in now because trying to deal with everybody's schedules, trying to figure all this stuff out, uh, you know, losing locations, all this different stuff, uh, when I had the opportunity to make art where it was just me was mm -hmm. like super welcome. But now after eight years, you know, I think every artist listening right now can relate. <laughs> Sometimes you're tired of making art with just you, you know? So it's like this, I'm really hungry for collaboration. You talk about how the, your visuals are supporting Seth, you know, or, or if you're working with another DJ, but you prim primarily work with Seth. So your visuals are there to support the music and enhance mm -hmm. the experience, yeah. which makes sense. You know, and like this year, you know, you're sort of loosely working with the theme of politics and you know, finding that fine line between, you know, how do you, how do you let people know that this is here and present in the room while not shoving dogma down their throats? Yeah. Cool. But from just an artistic standpoint, you know, going back to the, this, you know, the ideal gallery or going forward with collaborations, what are the kinds of things you'd like people to take away from your work? I mean, do you, do you, are you aware of themes that you're personally working with? Mm -hmm. um, I want people 
yeah, if we were removed from a DJ setting and I had my work, and, you know, depending on, of course, the theme and whatever the focus was, um, I really want people to connect with that feeling of awe and wonder uh, that is life, mm -hmm. that is living in the crazy world that we live in. Mm -hmm. um, as things are um, obviously really turbulent and troubling, <laughs> mm -hmm. I still find that life is unbelievably fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I'm really into themes connecting people, reminding people of, of that. Because I think that we live in a society, uh, I think I'm using the right term, reductive, where we're constantly learning how everything works, but we're missing the magic of it. It's like, it's great to know how this cell does this and how every little thing happens, but do you just ever sometimes forget to look at the sky or look at the beauty of a tree? So I'm really into, and that's, I think, why I've always gravitated to more psychedelic imagery, because, you know, I've, I find in that state, it is, um, you appreciate the oneness that everyone is connected, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, so I think a lot of times in my work, I want to... Um, yeah, people to feel connected. I also think um, that a lot of times with the visuals that I do, I fluctuate between, you know, um, more positive and more dark imagery, you know, back and mm -hmm. forth. And I think that sometimes I'm not always dwelling and thinking about, okay, now I'm going to do this, but it's an extension of how I'm feeling in the moment or how I'm feeling that month, mm -hmm. you know, um, that, you know, I like to explore. I'm, I'm I don't necessarily want to celebrate the darkness of humanity, but I am fascinated by it. Aaron's work can be seen this month exclusively at online magazine Witness This at www.witness-this.com. And look for him on tour with DJ Seth Troxler, or follow Aaron on Facebook at Kulik Visuals. That's K-O-O-L-I-K Visuals. And check out his website at kulikvisuals.com. Special thanks to our partner for this episode, Philip Voigt and Witness This in Berlin and Los Angeles. www.witness-this.com Artipus welcomes our new collaborator, Gallery A Plus in Berlin. A Plus is an independent exhibition space for contemporary art, providing emerging artists a concentrated platform for presentation and discussion for a divergent art audience. Learn more at www.aplus.de. Say hello to our newest media partner, Fontaine Bay. Dealers in trans-avant-garde editions and rare artworks for curation, exhibition, and private collections. Specializing in Arte Povera, Dada, Fluxus, Gutai Group, and Viennese Actionism. Visit www.fontenb.com. Find artists and exhibitions in your city and everywhere you go with Glarify, the world's first art map app. The interactive global mapping tool that lets you locate artists' studios, openings, and exhibits in your town and around the world. Become part of your local art scene everywhere you go. It's free. Glarify is an official partner of Artipus. Visit Glarify.com.
Artipus is a proud supporter of Prana, the platform for the homeless. Prana is a digital platform bridging the information gap between volunteers, organizations, and the homeless, providing direct connections to real-time information about food, shelter, clothing, medical help, and more. Help the homeless by helping Prana grow. Visit Prana at www.prana-deutschland.de. Artipus is written and produced by Susie Kollek for Zinga in Berlin. Artipus is broadcast on WRP in France and Indie Republic in Germany. Not in Europe? You can stream us on SoundCloud or download us on iTunes. Just search for Artipus, A-R-T-I-P-O-E-U-S. And you can see photos and read transcripts of this episode and more at artipus.com. I'm Susie Kollek, and you've been listening to Artipus, art you can hear. Mm-hmm.